This matchup won't be won at the glamour positions. It just won't. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. It's Steelers versus Bengals, Sunday, 1.02 p.m. in Cincinnati. It's maybe the kind of matchup you'd want your favorite team to have right up front. And maybe it isn't. Here's what TJ Watt had to say to that count yesterday. Yeah, Coach Tomlin's always talking about never warming up to it. And I don't want to say when it's not a division point, you're not, you're, you are warming up to it. But it's a little bit more sense of urgency for sure because there is a lot of weight behind this game. And um, that's not lost in the shuffle just because it's early in the season. To me, if there were... A preference, if you could pick your schedule, if you could arrange your schedule the way you'd like, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do this for the simple reason that on both sides of the football, the Steelers have immense questions in the trenches. And that applies to the offensive line and, believe it or not, to the defensive line slash front. I'm going to get into those these next couple of days. I'm going to start today with the defensive side because I can tell you from canvassing that locker room that there is one name that gets mentioned way more than any other, and it's not Joe Burrow. It's Joe Mixon. That, I'm told by a couple of the players, has been Mike Tomlin's focal point For weeks now, he's mentioned Mixon regularly to these guys. Everyone understands what they have to do as it relates to Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst and everybody else that Cincinnati's got in the passing game. Their goal, their mission, before anything else, is to stop the run. If they do that, they feel they can at least make the Bengals somewhat one-dimensional. It's a similar approach to what Baltimore's done to Cincinnati in the Burrow era. I'm not going to say it's been super successful, but it's, hey, it's been a lot better than what the Steelers did last year when they lost both games and got outscored 65-20 to aggregately. Also, if we're being honest, let's remember that the Steelers ranked 32 out of 32 whole teams in the NFL last season when it came to doing that. How will that change? Well, the obvious is that they'll be a lot healthier. You'll have, in addition to Cam Hayward trying to play all three defensive line positions, you'll have Larry Ogunjobi, new to the fold, and you'll have Tyson Alualu back on the field. That's a wonderful start, but it's going to take a lot more than that. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. Mixon, as any Pittsburgh fan knows, can beat you a lot of different ways, including catching the ball out of the backfield. As such... It's going to be about a lot more than two or three down linemen stopping him. It's going to be about 
TJ and Alex Highsmith sealing off the edges. And yes, those guys are talking a lot about Mixon as well. It's going to be about Devin Bush, hold the cynicism. The one thing that Bush has been able to do well, I guess semi-well for the most part, even through his struggles, has been shutting off screen passes. That was something that he was bang, right on the spot, able to do as a rookie. It's going to be important this time around as well. Miles Jack has to seal the middle behind the defensive line. And I asked Alualu how he felt the two inside linebackers behind him were doing in this particular facet. Playing behind you at inside linebacker, you're obviously in for a big challenge. A lot of communication that has to have everything else here. What are you seeing right now out of them behind you? I think they're... Uh, playing fast and you know, getting a better understanding of his defense. And I think that's you know, key for us to you know play better run defense and uh, just overall just better defense in general. So you know, it's, it's, it's good uh, to have those guys step up uh, to the challenge and um, I'm just kind of excited. It you know, starts with the start. run defense. Yeah. That's all everybody's doing right now. Is, can we just yeah, face I mean, Joe Mixon already? Right. You, know, you want to make splash <laughs> plays and affect the quarterback, but we got to get to that point by you know, stopping the run. Now, I don't mean to make this sound like if you shut down Mixon, you win the game. <laughs> That's the problem with facing a team that just went to the Super Bowl is they've got a lot of different ways they can beat you. But you have to at least take one of them away. I'm going to ask you right now to envision you're watching this game take place and you're seeing right off the bat the Bengals come out and it's just run five yards, run seven yards, screen pass, eight yards, whatever it is. And then they hit a big one. Because now all of a sudden, you're getting a little bit nervous if you're the Steelers and you're bringing people up closer to the line of scrimmage and you're doing that stuff that you saw them do last year, late last year with Minka Fitzpatrick pretty much playing inside linebacker. And it disrupts everything. It takes all of your plans that you made for the week, including in your secondary, and just lights them on fire. And here's where I offer... The single most boring piece of advice anyone could offer to this team in this specific situation. Try hard. Want it more than the other guys. My goodness, how many times did we see this team in the 2021 season just look like they didn't even want to tackle? I don't need to go naming names all over again, but... Oh, okay, I will. I mean, you know, when you have a guy like Chris Wormley on the defensive line and you see that he gets all motivated to play the Ravens and he comes up with these big numbers in that game, and then you put him out there against a team that's running the ball up the gut the way Dalvin Cook did in Minneapolis, and you're wondering, what the heck, where were you in this game? You performed at a certain level that week, but you didn't in this week. Would it have helped if the Vikings were a previous employer or something? I don't know, but you have to want to stop the run. And that's why this head coach is doing exactly the right thing in emphasizing this, in shoving it down his defensive players' throats, essentially. It's not so much, again, that it's a cure-all to stop Mixon. It's just that there are no solutions for stopping the Bengals' offense at all if you don't do that first, if you don't find a way to eliminate 
or at least mitigate that part of their attack. When we come back, J1Q. Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Joe Abraham, who was far from the only one to respond to yesterday's lead subject about Franco Harris not at all being deserving of having his number retired by the Steelers. Joe says, the Immaculate Reception started the Steelers. I love you, DK, but absolutely disagree on this. Franco is a Pittsburgh legend. Joe, I'm not going to go over yesterday's show, you know, and pound it into the ground. I have no intention whatsoever of making it a running theme. I said almost everything that I'd want to say on that show. Probably actually toned it down a little, to be honest with you. I did notice a distinct pattern in the responses, though, and I want to bring that up today. The people, for the most part, nothing is universal, who were in the Pittsburgh area in whatever form around 20 years ago, whenever the big flap happened, between the Penguins and Franco and the Cleveland company with which he aligned. That was a massive episode here in our city. And if you weren't here, if you're a Steelers fan who lives everywhere and they really, really do more than any other Pittsburgh team, they're global, you wouldn't have been privy to either that information or that emotion that went into that. The people who were here for it were like, yeah, way to go, DK. That's exactly telling him. Don't ever let him forget that. He tried to kill one of our franchises. I got a lot of that yesterday. And then I also got a lot that was like yours, where you said, hang on a second. Are you questioning the credentials of the player? Of course not. I even said so in the episode. Three-time All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, four-time Super Bowl champion, the third leading running back in NFL history at the time that he retired. (laughs) What kind of moron goes after his credentials as a player? I did say that I felt Terry Bradshaw has superior credentials and that Bradshaw would have been a better choice in this context if you were just going by players. I expressed a similar sentiment regarding Mike Webster, who remains in consideration for being one of the best players in the history of the sport at his position at center. But the thrust of my point yesterday was that this was spectacularly tone-deaf on the part of the Steelers and Art Rooney. This guy 
aligned himself for money with a company from outside the city to try to kill a Pittsburgh franchise. Even if you leave the Penn State stuff and the weird Joe Paterno cardboard cutout out of the equation, this is abhorrent behavior. This is something that I don't think has precedent in Pittsburgh sports history. It's not even something that you've heard of anywhere. So what ended up happening was a lot of people heard this on this program for the first time. And they've already had their minds made up about Franco for like, what, 50 years? Well, he was my hero. He was this. He was that. And you don't want to hear anything bad about someone who was your hero. No one does. I don't either. But that's not going to stop me from expressing my very strong and very firmly held belief that this is a lousy guy. And this was a lousy thing to do on the Steelers' part. And if that upsets somebody's memory of the way they remember, you know, such and such player or such and such play from forever ago, I'm sorry, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility in this role is to share with you what I think, what I've learned, and what I continue to learn on the job. That was a decision that the Steelers made. This was my view of that decision. And that was that. I appreciate the question. I appreciate all of the feedback that I got yesterday. And yes, I appreciate that you said very nicely there that you love me. You know, there's, that's, that's a pretty nice, cordial way to convey uh, the point that you were making and the discussion that we wanted to have and hopefully just did. We will have another one of these tomorrow. And as promised, I'm going to switch it to the other side of the trenches before hitting the road for Cincinnati. Thanks for listening.